Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 151. Okay, so let me just start off with this freaking TikTok that I saw. It was by this TikToker named Shelby's underscore Z. I since learned that it's fake. Like, she even says it's fake, but it made me laugh and the girls at work laugh so fucking hard because she sets it up so perfectly. She says that she had done some research and she found out that fake eyelashes were created by this French sex worker, like back in the 1800s. She called them cumbrellas. Oh my God. To catch the cum because, uh, this should be burning. Oh my God. <laughs> All I could think about was Anthony and how he say it. It do be like that though. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Cumbrellas. Oh my God. How many facials were they getting back then? <laughs> But that's obviously not really where they came from. But that made me laugh. So, cumbrellas. That's hilarious. Now all I'm thinking about is, yeah, that could not be true because that would be so sticky. Like how many, like she would have to make a pair for every fucking day of the year. For every air quote date. I know, right? Like, No, thank you. Her eyelashes would be, there's something about Mary going on like, oh, God. She wouldn't need glue. God bless, Carrie. Oh, Lord. You know who's the glue that holds us together? (laughs) Y'all, she pointed to her Patreon list. I'm just saying that, like, girl, I know what you're trying to do. I get your segue, girl. I was pointing to me and you. My Patreon list is over here. What what did you point to after that? I popped my finger. Oh. Well, since she spoiled the fun, Patreoners! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Jessica H. from Illinois. Taylor M. from Texas. Lisa B. from Florida. Amy K. from Washington. Shane S. from Michigan. Nada G. from New Jersey. Ashley H. from Michigan. Cassandra D. from California. Delton F. and Melanie L. from Louisiana. And Jana B. from Arizona. Thank y'all so much for being our cumbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> They're not our cumbrellas. We're the cumbrellas. They're the glue. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for your support. If y'all want to shout out, please go to www.patreon.com forward slash the APC podcast. You know what kind of story I was really in the mood for this week? A love story gone wrong? A love triangle? No. I was in the mood for like a J.C. Dugard type story this week. Oh, okay. I didn't find it, but. Oh, okay. Did you lo- find a love triangle one? No, but it led. Well, kind of. No. Okay. But yeah, there's a there is a bit of a triangle in this. Okay. So yes. Okay. But it led me to this. And whoa. Can I just say whoa? Okay. Picture it. March 12th, 2004. We're going to Fresno, California. There are two women, Ruby Ortiz and Sofina Solorio. 
they had gathered up some family members and some friends. They had gone to this house of a man and his family because they said that their kids were being held captive inside that house. They said that the man inside is their uncle and that he will not let their kids come out. And at first, it's chaos. There's people arguing, all the things. And so the police get called. When police get there, they think that it's just a regular old domestic violence, custody type call. And when they get there, they see Ruby and Safina there and they listen to their story and they say, look, this is my uncle's house and he will not like release my kids, our kids. Like they say this, both of our uncles, like, like, so they're cousins or whatever. And this is their uncle's house and their kids are inside can't come out and there's other women there that are like screaming at them calling them judas that they've turned against them like all just i mean it's just this horrible situation i'm picturing like waco chaos it's awful so the uncle comes out and he's very calm and police are like you know what's going on and he's like i'll get the kids and they're like okay Get the kids kind of thing. Well, he walks inside and closes the door and locks it. Not a good sign. Well, because he told the police that he wanted to tell the kids goodbye before he brought them out to their parents or to their mothers. Well, the police have no warrant. They have nothing that they can do other than sit there and wait. Now, this is when it gets, hmm, I don't actually know, because there were a lot of different accounts based on the source that you used. Regardless of what the sources said, when the man went back inside, gunfire rang out, and it resulted in the death of Sabrina, who was 25, Elizabeth, 17, Illabel, 8, Aviv, 7, Jonathan, seven. Sedona, two. Marshy, two. Ethan, four. And Javiv, one. Holy shit. Whoa. It was nearly an hour and a half. And the uncle just walks out the front door. His clothes are covered in blood. He's immediately surrounded by police officers and arrested. So the building that they're at is actually zoned as a commercial building. It's not meant to be a residential building, but he and the people living there were living there as a residence. When police walk in, it's pitch black. They can't see anything because the windows are covered with like blankets and stuff. They walk in this first room and they see along the wall several coffins. What? But on top of the coffins were mattresses. What? So they look in the coffins and the coffins were empty. So they continued on. And in the next room was where they found a pile 
of bodies. And each and every one of those bodies had been shot through the eye. Why? Is this why you chose this? Oh, God. It took days for police to identify all the bodies, and they even had to order DNA testing done so that they could identify next of kin. But here's where there was some discrepancy in the stories. And honestly, I didn't see, you would think that if there was this big a discrepancy in some of the stories, you would think that there would be a lot more that came of this. And I didn't really see it. So if y'all know anything else about this, let me know. But some sources said that police just stood at the door after he went in because they never heard gunfire. Mm. And since they didn't have a warrant, they had no probable cause to go into the house. Yeah. However, some of the neighbors who were inside of their houses said that they heard the gunfire. So it's like if they're inside their houses and they heard it, how did the police standing outside the door not hear it? The other problem is that Ruby and Sophina, they were telling police that their uncle was also the father of their kids. (gasps) Oh, God. And that their uncle... Marcus Wesson had been abusing them their whole lives, and they had basically been living in this cult their entire lives, and that they knew that their kids were in danger because he had raised them and made them basically promise and create a pact that if any type of government, law enforcement, any type of authority ever came, that they had a suicide pact Mm. so they knew that their children were in danger in that house and they said that they were telling police they have a suicide pact if he is in that house this door is locked they are going to die yeah so that's where the kind of like okay so you're saying you don't have probable cause but if they're telling you this is my uncle and he's the father of my kids this is a cult they are going to die. Yeah. That's probable cause. Yeah. Also, though, it was two officers. They were waiting on SWAT. What's safe? I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if they heard shots. I don't know if they didn't. I don't know if anything was done outside of protocol or not. I don't know. But I never really found if it was or not. But those were two different... Accounts of what happened that day. I feel like the man shouldn't have been allowed to go back inside. Well, he was going to get the kids, but even, air quotes. But it doesn't matter. Like, cool, cool, cool. Well, we're going to, like, go with you then. or But they can't. They make, can. They, I know. Yeah. But, like, or don't. Like, let's stand at the door and yell their names. But one of them's a one-year-old. You know? What you going to do? You see, but you see what I'm saying. I know, but uh, there's other kids. They can carry them. But you, but you get my point, though. I mean, it's... I know, but, like, if you come into all of that, I feel like, uh, especially if someone comes out all calm mm-hmm. when all of this is going on, he's a cult leader. I knew that right when you said he came out all calm. I'm like, mm cult leader, right there. Mm-hmm. You even said this is some Waco bullshit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's like, I need to go say goodbye to them. 
Um, sir, people say goodbye to people in public all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. You don't need the privacy of a closed fucking door to say goodbye to anybody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Do it out here where I can see you. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's just talk a little bit about old Marcus Wesson, who we fucking hate. Okay. So he was born August 22nd, 1946 in Kansas. Why does he have to be a Leo? Well, so he, oh God. Okay. His parents, his dad's name was Benjamin and his mom's name was Carrie. Like the scary movie that Carrie though. Not like my spelling. Oh God. There's so much to unpack. Okay. So. Let's start with Carrie, which is ironic because she was a religious, like, fanatic. Again, much like Carrie's mom in the movie. Yeah. So Carrie was Seventh-day Adventist, and that, so that's how Marcus was raised. So they went to church every Saturday and whatever other day they go on ch- to church. But, like, ultra. You know, like, yeah. again, just taking that religion just a... A lot too far. Extreme. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. His mom was pretty mean. Like, she would beat them with, like, electrical cords. Yeah. I think he had three or four siblings. Yes. He he was the oldest, too. He was very much abused, like, in the name of spare the rod, spoil the child type thing. And every single day, she would have daily Bible study with the family. So it's like, let's have our Bible study in the morning. Let me whip you with an electrical cord in the evening. And then there's old Benjamin. Benjamin. He was a violent alcoholic who was polar opposite of anything close to religious. He was a piece of shit himself. So nobody ever said he was sexually abusive to Marcus and his siblings. But Marcus's sister's like alluded to it basically said when he was drunk they knew like to hide they knew mm. that yes they knew he was going to kind of get handsy he was yeah. going it was just they, they were going to be uncomfortable like they knew go yeah. upstairs like stay away kind of thing so while they never came out right and said he sexually abused them i mean they stayed away when he was drunk but i tell you what he did do though He did do some pretty fucking shitty and shady shit to some of Marcus's friends. So, okay, Marcus was not a very popular kid. He was bullied a lot. He just didn't, he didn't have a lot of friends. And then the few that he did have, or basically the one that he did have that he brought over, his fucking dad would like sneak in the room at night and try to like take the covers off of him the friend at night and there would be like, what the fuck are you doing? And he'd be like, <laughs> and like go out. What? Yes. So then one time the dad offers, so Benjamin, the dad offers Marcus's friend $50 to like, let him give him a blowjob. The friend's like, okay. And like, lets him do it. Cause he's like fucking $50. Yeah. He's like this teenager who, you know, yeah. and he's like, well, I mean, it's $50, but, and then it's like this huge source of stress and anxiety and guilt and, you know, all of the, all the things yeah. to him growing up after that. And it was just this huge dysfunctional moment in his life after that, you know, 
one of Marx's favorite games growing up was to play preacher. (laughs) I mean, foreshadowing the foreskin, if I've ever fucking seen it. Okay. There was this one interview I read with Marcus's mom, and I would be like, you, shut up. (laughs) Like, I don't even like that word, shut up. And I would be like, just shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. Marcus did, so he didn't graduate from high school, which... No judgment. I'm not talking anything about that. It's said that he was, at the very least, of average intelligence. He just didn't apply himself, didn't do his work, you know. So he didn't have enough credits to graduate. And the school was like, just get the fuck out. And so they even, like, let him do his graduation ceremony and just, like, handed him, like, a rolled up piece of paper. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Okay. Like, so he didn't get a diploma They just were like, shake your hand. Okay, bye. What the fuck? Okay. But, so, there was this article I read where his mom was interviewed. And he, like, oh, I can't believe he would do that. You know? And it was saying, like, he was such a smart kid. Like, he invented a toy or fixed a toy. Some shit. I don't fucking know. And a Stanford professor saw it and was like, oh, he's so smart. He can come here to school. You know, she just like, yeah, I'm like, okay, one, did that really happen? Or two, are you just like, is this a complete fabrication? Or are you just embellishing this? Yeah. You know, like, but also you whipped him with an electrical cord. Like, come on now. Yeah. I don't know. Like, clearly you didn't give a shit about him when he was a kid. Quit trying to play like you were this like, Quit trying to fuck. Just shut up. Yeah. I really hate the word shut up, but that's all I want to say to her. (laughs) Just shut up. Also in that interview. So his mama, Jesus Christ. Okay. So Marcus was a big guy. Like, I can't remember how tall he was. Maybe like over six feet, maybe six, four. I could be making up the height, but over 300 pounds. He's a, a big guy. And she talked about how growing up, he didn't get into a lot of trouble. Like he wasn't, one of the ones that, like, went looking for parties and all of that. Like, he would rather sit around the table and eat. That's how he got so big. I was like, you cunt. <laughs> like, what? Shady Again, fucking bitch. Just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, just shut the fuck up. Why did he want to eat his emotions? Because you whipped him with an electrical cord. I mean, like... Trauma. I was gonna say, okay, let's let's just unpack his childhood for a fucking second. Because I have not even talked about all the shit yet. Okay. Like oh what the gosh. fuck? Can you fucking imagine what was happening in that house with just the bits of pieces that we fucking know? Right. There's no fucking telling what else happened in that house. Right. Well, no wonder he wanted to fucking eat. Yeah, it was his one thing he can control. Yeah, you're lucky he didn't fucking self-medicate in other ways. Like, by axe murdering you. (laughs) Right? Anyway, that's my soapbox. Okay, so, last thing about his childhood, and then we'll move the fuck on. So, Marcus had an aunt and some cousins that moved in to the house with his parents and him and his siblings. They had fallen on some hard times, you know, needed some help, yada, yada, yada. Well, the aunt had a teenage son who developed a pretty close bond with Benjamin. Like, they 
you know, he kind of took him under his wing, mentored him, and, you know, they became pretty close. Until one day when Benjamin came to his wife and said, by the by, I'm leaving you, and um, me and my nephew are, uh, we're running off together. We're in love. We're, 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 we're going to go together. Wow. Okay. Like, in, in, incest. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yep. Well, he finally succeeded in grooming one kid. Yep. So he was gone for like 10 years. I don't know if he and that, well, boy were together for the full 10 years, but he did eventually come back to Carrie. And like he and Carrie have been married for like 20 fucking years. After Marcus finished high school, he did join the military and he did some sort of like medic something with an ambulance medic something i don't really know but he was honorably discharged and from there moved to san jose california do you know the way to san jose that's where he met this woman named rosemary maturina rosemary was actually married with eight kids i will say some sources said that she was separated some stuff said like no that they married like they're together so i'm not sure but They ended up having a romantic relationship, and it wasn't long before Marcus and Rosemary moved in together. Marcus had always wanted a big family because he saw himself as like a shepherd, as a prophet, as a a cult leader. And he, that's what he wanted. He wanted a lot of kids. He, even as a teenager, he would get in theological debates with people about religion and even in his Seventh-day Adventist church would go against the mainstream and talk about how he supported polygamy and how the Bible supported, you know, all of that. So Marcus took on that head of the household role and became this leader, abuser. When he was teaching about God and the Bible and all of that. He was very kind to the kids and engaged and would talk to them in a way, answer all their questions and and really engage them. But then when it would become to any other time, he was more kind of lead with an iron fist. Obviously that stuff didn't happen overnight. He groomed everyone. He didn't, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, boom, and treating Rosemary like crap and treating, you know, he did what abusers do. He groomed them and made them believe that they were nothing without him and and all of that. And here's the thing. He wasn't working during any of this. He was living off of a welfare check. So Rosemary is trying to make ends meet with eight kids off of this welfare check. Why wasn't she working? I don't think he would let her. Well, it wasn't long before they had a son together. But Rosemary was 13 years older than Marcus. So while he's 24, you know, she's 37. So she's still in some childbearing years, but she's kind of getting on the the not so much end. So he goes to her kids. Well, oh god. So, he wants a very large family. And while he has 
a large family. He wants a larger family. And so he starts working on, like I said, from the beginning, grooming Rosemary's family. He takes a liking to Rosemary's daughter, Elizabeth. He tells Rosemary that God wants him to marry Elizabeth. Some of the sources are different on the ages, but most of them say he starts grooming her and they have their, quote, marriage ceremony when she was eight. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. And that Rosemary asks, please just wait, like, until she's old enough before you start having sex with her. And he promises that he'll, he will just have oral sex with her until she's of age. Oh, my God. That, oh, God. If you have to have that conversation right there, uh, you shouldn't be doing anything with her. So it wasn't legal for him to marry her, even with Rosemary's signature, until she was 15. Well, yeah, she's eight. Right. But but I'm saying she can't, she legally could not get married until she was 15. So that's when Rosemary wanted him to wait until he started having sex with Elizabeth. Well, when she was 14 is when she became pregnant by Marcus. Yeah, they really waited. And by they, I mean he. Allegedly... He waited until she was 12 before he started sexually assaulting her. Like, dude, okay, sure. Right. You waited four years and then you just couldn't wait any longer? Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So they got married as soon as she turned 15, and they would have 10 more kids by the time she was 26 years old. Holy... Hannah, she was basically pregnant every single year. Like, she basically had a kid every single year. No. mm, No. They did have one kid pass, like, right after childbirth. I don't know. But they, I mean, it's not like she got good prenatal or postnatal or perinatal care or any of the natals. Oh, she didn't get good care Anytime. She didn't get good lifetime care. No. Pediatric care. Look, I'm not meant to have kids, okay? I don't like the TV being on while I'm talking, all right? The thought of being in that fucking house, 10 kids plus however many other, like if he has all the other people still living with them. Well, okay, so. (sighs) Okay. They had, they eventually moved out of Rosemary's house, him and Elizabeth and their brood. But Rosemary's other daughter, Rosemary, her daughter's name was Rosemary. This is not a (laughs) Gertrude and Paula. Yeah, this is not a Gertrude Paula situation. They really are Rosemary and Rosemary. She had some hard times, I think, with some substance abuse. And so she basically handed over her. Seven kids to them. Oh, God. So, yeah. yeah. You know, in their house, the noise level starts at like a hum. It didn't because he would not let those kids make noise. He forced Elizabeth to 
physically discipline the infants for crying. Oh, shit. I'm talking a, like a one-month-old. If a one-month-old was crying, they got, they got physically abused. What? Mm-hmm. He, again, ruled with an iron fist. He forced the kids and Elizabeth to call him either master or lord. He told them that, quote, if you've seen God, you've seen me. Now, this is where I think that this story gets a little sensationalized. And while there's a little bit of detail that I have found, there's not a whole lot of detail to this. And, you know, kind of the more you dig, it was meant to be a little more kind of conceptual than concrete, I think. So Marcus said that he is God and that Jesus is a vampire. That's why he had the coffins? No. Oh, God. As things kind of came out, he said that he, again, meant it more conceptually that their souls were immortal because they were saved kind of thing. And so that's why they were vampires. I don't think that's... But, Mm. however, it's also said that he made them watch like a bunch of vampire stuff and that he told them that because they were... Like, although their souls are immortal, but because, like, he's God and they're they're saved, that's why they can go out during the day. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, he's known as the Vampire King of Fresno. That's why I say this story gets sensationalized a little bit, because mm. there's, like, that vampire aspect to yeah. it. But there's really not a vampire aspect. There's no, They like, didn't drink blood. No, there's none of that. Just coffins. But we'll get to that. Okay. So, it's not, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think it gets sensationalized a little bit. Yeah. But also, it, it's such a fucking huge and like, what the what story that almost the vampire thing is like, you almost don't even see that because it's such a what yeah. the fuck story. Yeah. That you almost can even miss the whole vampire thing. Yeah. You know? So, you remember Ruby and Sophina from the beginning of the story? They are two of the kids that were brought to live with Elizabeth and Marcus because their mother had some drug abuse, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, from the mother's perspective looking in, didn't realize that, I mean, I don't know why the mother or if she didn't know Elizabeth was 15 when they got married and was pregnant at four. I don't know if she just didn't know all of that or just felt like, okay, well, these kids are getting homeschooled. They're at least getting an education. It seems to be this happy quasi-nuclear family versus like what her kids were going through with her. And so from the outside looking in, it looked like it was a more typical upbringing. And so she was like, this has got to be better than what I'm giving them. And so she sent them to live with Elizabeth and Marcus, I don't know. But that's how Ruby and Sophina ended up living with Marcus and Elizabeth. See, I'm like, no, I think Marcus was like, here, I'll give you $100 for your kids. And she was like, okay, cool. I don't, I mean, maybe. Who knows? Because, uh, ain't no one looking in on that going, that's more typical than what I'm giving them. Like... Mm-mm. But if you can't afford them, you know, if you're, I know, I don't know. 
Because if you know that he got with an eight-year-old. But did she? If she was already out of the house, you know, I don't know how old. It doesn't matter. I know, but I'm just saying, I don't know how old she was. I'm just trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm not, because no. Even if, like, okay, she got pregnant at 14. That's still way too young. No, I completely agree. So if you think he's not going to be like, ooh, younger girls to your people? Yeah. And uh-uh, no, no. Mm. Like, you know he is. Well, the kids were, air quotes, homeschooled, but they literally learned nothing but the Bible. And so some of the older kids would try and teach the younger kids, you know, colors, numbers, stuff like that, just so that they had some semblance of an education. But there was nothing even remotely close to homeschooling. Even the education in the Bible was Marcus's obscure interpretation because he would twist the Bible to make it say exactly what he wanted it to say so that he could manipulate Elizabeth and the kids to do exactly what he wanted to. If he wanted to have sex with other people, the Bible told him he could. If he wanted to take another wife, the Bible told him that he could. If he wanted to do literally anything, the Bible told him that he could. So he had the family to where... Again, he's the head of the household. He's the king. He gets everything. They get nothing. He gets to live and eat and do all the things, and they get nothing. They're all vegetarian. He's not. They subsist on basically beans and soup, and he can go get fast food. They lived in a bunch of different places. Sometimes they lived in boats, like broken down boats, Sometimes they lived in school buses. Sometimes they lived in tents. Sometimes they lived in a house. You know, it was just like all these different things. And a lot of times they lived without running water and electricity. Mm-mm. No. No, they were, no, no, no. I know. But they were surviving on welfare and food stamps for all those people. Eventually, when the oldest boys got old enough... He would let, and by let, I mean make them work and then take their paycheck. And even some of the girl, the oldest girls eventually got to go work at like a fast food place and he would take their paychecks. But they, I mean, the kids would have to scavenge and dumpster dive for food. And he's living like a king. I mean, he's 300 plus pounds. Yeah. Minimum 300 pounds. You know what I mean? So clearly he's not dumpster diving. You know, I mean, he's eating what he wants to and they're figuring it out. One time, one of his sons snuck some peanut butter and he beat him three times a day for 30 days straight. What the fuck? For sneaking peanut butter. Hopefully it was creamy. Oh my, could you imagine if it was... Look, y'all, this is a sidebar, and this is a very serious story, but the other day, I accidentally fucking bought crunchy peanut butter. Oh, God. Mm-mm. I am still paying for that. Oh, crunchy. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to... I can't throw away. It was fucking natural peanut butter. I can't throw it away. It was too fucking expensive. Oh, God, crunchy. My mom liked crunchy. Ugh. So she had her bottle. I had mine. Every fucking day when I eat that shit on a damn apple, I'm like, motherfucker, about this wrong shit. Ugh. Creamy all the way. And you know how I told you, he? I mean, he would he would have Elizabeth, you know, 
discipline the air quotes discipline you can't discipline a fucking infant they don't understand but one time when jonathan was one month old one of his kids because he would not stop crying he beat jonathan until his legs were bleeding it's one month old oh my gosh and like he's not gonna cry Mm -hmm. from that i mean fuck i hate marcus so one time he bought this old tugboat again no water no electricity the whole family had to live on there it was set up to sleep for people and they had like 11 they had like 700 i don't know it's fucking noah's ark on that goddamn tugboat i don't know <laughs> but this tugboat was like positioned i guess away and so whenever they needed to go to shore they would have to get in like this smaller boat and like row row well and then this motherfucker thinking i don't know he's fucking queen of the vampires i don't know he's just sitting there not helping anybody they have to row him back and forth wherever he wants to go and they're all starving and having to do all the work. And he's just sitting there. I just, it just, oh. One time they lived in an old army tent for 12 years. Then they bought this school bus that they would drive like up and down the California coast. Then that's when they bought the office building where everything went down. So here's the thing though. When he bought the tugboat, what had happened was he had filled out some forms for welfare where he had to fill out his assets. And on the form, he said that he didn't have any assets and he didn't list the tugboat. So he actually got in trouble for welfare fraud and lost his benefits and went to jail for like 30 days. This motherfucker could not hack it, like wrote like eight, almost 80 pages of letters to the judges being like, my attorney sucked, da, 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 trying to get out of it. I mean, he hacked it because he stayed the full 30 days, but he like, kept trying to get out of it, kept trying to get out of it, kept trying to get out of it, but he lost his benefits. And so when his oldest son finally became of age to get the welfare benefits, that's how they started getting the welfare again because he started taking his check. So on that boat, though, you know how I told you it only slept four of them? So they would have to, like, sleep in shifts. Because I think there was 16 of them that lived there at the time. And so, what the fuck? you? I mean, the kids were, when they, especially when they lived on the boat, they had to stay, like, below deck. But even when they lived in that army tent, because they rented some land from someone. And then whenever they bought the school bus is when... The man who they rented land from, like, he passed. And so his son, like, basically kicked him out and was like, okay, well, I'm selling this land, so you got to go. But even when they had land, the kids, like, especially the girls, weren't allowed to play outside. The boys could a little bit, but the girls for sure weren't. The girls had to wear long sleeve shirts, long skirts, basically like a hijab on their head, everything to cover everything. 
partly because he was physically abusive and he wanted to hide his abuse, but also because he wanted them to be modest and because he didn't want them to draw the attention of other men. He kept the boys and the girls separate because he said that he didn't want the brothers and the sisters to like develop feelings for one another and to have sexual relationships. Um, no, that's just you, bro. That's just you. That's you and your dad. Yeah, that's not that's that's not other people. That's that's just that's just you. Oh my gosh. So he had a bat, and then he also had this stick that he had like wrapped in duct tape, and that's part of what he would use to beat them. Plus electrical cords. I'm like, didn't you know how bad that hurt as a kid? Why are you going why are you going why are you doing that? Ruby said that one time she was beaten so badly because when she was at work, he thought she was flirting with some of her coworkers. And they said that he would beat them like three times a day and that it was your responsibility as the child when you woke up to remind him that morning that he has to beat you that day. And then if you didn't remind him, though, and he remembered you're fucked, you know, so you, you got to remind him or you you really fucked yourself. So they would have to go get water like in jugs and stuff from town. And then they would have to, like I said, wait on him hand and foot. They had to wash his hair, but he had like huge dreadlocks. Like I'm talking like down his back, like to his butt dreadlocks. They would even have to scratch his armpits. I'm sorry, what? I guess when you're a god, you don't even have to scratch your own armpits. I'm sorry, what? Come here and scratch my armpit. What? To the left. No, 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 my left. No, 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 my left. Like. Fucking dumb. An armpit? That's, that's excessive. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like I said, Marcus really wanted to have a polygamous marriage. There was this one girl that was kind of working towards that, but she had a hard time because with Elizabeth being like the number one wife and that she was always going to be number two and Elizabeth kind of let her know that. And anyway, but that that podcast, Cults, they do a really good job on this story and they always do two parts and they go into even that part a little bit more. So anyway, I highly recommend that podcast and this story on that podcast. But because he wanted this polygamous lifestyle with lots of kids and the way he approached it was that he said, by having more kids, I bring more children to God. I bring more believers and, you know, basically more Christians. So listen to what this motherfucker did. He knew that he had to get the girls on board before he took this to Elizabeth. He got all of his nieces and daughters in a room and kind of ambushed them with this idea and kind of created this moment where everybody's going to say yes because they're on the spot kind of thing. So he said, look, because, you know, he's got a he's got a direct line to God, because even though he is God, he still talks to God and God still talks to him. But even though he is God, which is that's not confusing at all. But here we are. So he says, of course, God wants him to have all the kids so that he can bring all the kids to God. And God wants him to be polygamous and all of the things. So he says that God has chosen all of you 
to be my wives and to bring children into this world for me and him. How many girls are we talking? Do you know? Well, in total, he married six. Holy Hannah. Uh Uh-huh. So when they were between the ages of like seven and nine, that's when he would start what he called, quote unquote, loving them. Oh my God. So basically, he got them all in a room and said, hey, God wants us to do this. And they were all like, uh, uh, okay, we're, we're down. And then he went to Elizabeth and he was like, hey, look. God wants me to do this. And Liz was like, girls, y'all cool with this? And they were like, uh, yeah. And she was like, okay, but you have to wait until they're 18 to marry them and have sex with them. And he was like, okay. Like he did with you, Elizabeth. Right. Oh, my gosh. So when they were young, young, young like that, and he started the loving process. That is so, like, pedophile talk. Uh. Oh, So that's when he would do, like, I I don't even like saying this, but more like fondling that would lead more to like then oral sex type stuff. And then because that's how he would, quote, teach them to be better women and to please men. Men, but who would only be him. Exactly. So then when they would become of age, so I, I guess 18, I don't. I guess 18, he would have like a marriage ceremony where they would have the Bible, oh, put their hands on the Bible with him, and they would get like a gold wedding band and a necklace from him. So he ended up having seven more kids with his nieces and daughters. That's sick. So his sons obviously noticed that their sisters and cousins were coming up pregnant, but Marcus would just tell them, oh, it's artificial insemination. Well, after the whole him getting in trouble for the welfare, after the whole him getting in trouble for the welfare fraud, he refused to sign any legal documents, like, ever again. So the girls would just write unknown for the fathers, Of course, like, they're going to write that their dad is the fucking dad anyway. But they would just write unknown on the birth certificates. He never signed any birth certificates for any of this anyway. Anyway, so the whole point is, while the brothers or Marcus's sons probably had some inkling, they were lied to and they were so brainwashed. I don't think that they could see it. Yeah. Because they were kept so separate, you know, just in case... They got a wild hair and wanted to hook up with them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There were, I think, a few who did kind of escape and, you know, leave the fa- like leave the family. And Ruby tried to leave a few times before she was successful. You know, one time Elizabeth and Marcus came and literally took her back home. Because they would, like, take the kids to and from work if they thought that they were about to leave so that they could not escape. And so one time she just like left work early so that she could escape. But then they found her and literally put her in the car and took her home. Another time he talked her into coming home because of the kid. You know, she she and Sophina 
when they escaped, they left their kids behind because they couldn't take them. When, when they saw the opportunity to escape, they had to go then. There was no way they could leave from, let's just call it what it is, a compound. And Marcus was obsessed with, you guessed it, David Koresh and the Branch Davidians and all that went down at Waco. And that is when he started that suicide pact. So it was kind of a domino effect of what led to the end. All this stuff happened with the Branch Davidians that led to the suicide pact. They had had a report to CPS and welfare was checking in on them again. And so they had been kind of dodging CPS and welfare back and forth from the school bus but they'd kind of honed back in on them a little bit, being in that one location. And so Marcus had decided to move the family to Washington to get away from the government heat. And that's what Ruby and Sophina got wind of and said, no, you're not taking my kids. Like, we'll never see them again. And that's what started the whole shebang. Ruby and Sophina's kids were murdered that day. As far as the coffins, they said that a couple of different stories. One was that he was going to use, because it was like beautiful mahogany wood. They had they just started getting some more money because more of the kids were out working at like fast food places. So they said that they were going to use some of the money to fix up one of the boats, like the tugboat or whatever. I don't know, because they, they had a couple of different boats throughout the time. So I don't know which which boat it was. But anyway, that they were going to use some of the wood to fix up one of the boats. And then the other one was that they literally were using it for beds, which they were. And it was kind of like an inside joke that they all thought was funny, question mark, that nobody else thought was funny. It's weird. But that Elizabeth had at the very least convinced him like, okay, but we're not letting our kids sleep inside these coffins. They have to sleep on top. But I'm also like, uh, aren't coffins rounded on the top? That can't be comfortable. No, that's caskets. What'd I say? Coffins. No, these are caskets. Okay. No, I've been meaning caskets this whole fucking time. This shit rounded. Okay, no, no, no. Like, caskets are like what your grandma was buried in. Coffins are like... The nails. Yeah, these are caskets. These are fucking rounded on the top caskets. Because there are pictures of police officers literally taking them out of the house as evidence. That's fucking uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, Marcus was obviously charged. His defense was, he tried to say that Sabrina, who was the 25-year-old, who was one of the murder victims, he tried to say that she was the one that pulled the trigger to kill everyone, including herself. Now, her DNA is the only DNA that was found on the gun. And it does kind of make sense, given their suicide pact. Yeah. Although there had been another incident when they lived on the tugboat where this was after, I think, he had gotten in trouble with the welfare fraud, that there was what looked like some government officials like kind of driving around, like looking. And so, I mean, it had gotten to the point where she had literally gotten the kids in a circle, loaded the gun, the kids were holding hands, saying prayers, when... Like, one of the boys was like, just let me go call dad and just make sure. This is what we got to do. Because she's like, I, I can't do it. She was like, I yeah. can't do it. 
He's like, well, let me just go make sure this is what dad wants us to do. Because they were also scared, you know, to yeah. do it without him. But she was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he said, no, that's no big deal. Don't do it. Don't do anything. So thank God it didn't happen before. Yeah. So in her defense, she couldn't do it before. But also he wasn't there and no telling what he was telling her this time. I don't know whether she's the one that pulled the trigger or not. He's the cult leader that fucking told her to do it. Exactly. And, uh, hello, Charles Manson still went to fucking prison. I was so, so about to say that. I was so about to say that. So, either way, he was convicted of the murders and rape and assault and sentenced to death plus like 102 years. But there was a... Because he is a vampire. Right. There... <laughs> that, was a good, that was a good one. <laughs> There was a stay of executions in California, so basically he's just got life without parole now. And this motherfucker is living out his life in San Quentin right now. Oh, my gosh. At least there was some justice. Yeah, and, you know, at first, the again, especially the sons, they had such a hard time, and they really came to his defense, and they were like, no, this he was the best dad ever growing up, and yada, yada, yada. You know, they had... Such a hard time, even through the violence that they lived through. But I think that the majority of the kids have gone through that deprogramming and have come out on the other side and see him for what he is. And a lot of them have gone on to have their own families. You know, one of them graduated from college. And, That's awesome. You know, they've really come into themselves. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. And Elizabeth was granted immunity for her testimony at the trial. And her tr- her testimony was such fucking bullshit. It was like, well, I didn't know. How was I supposed to know if they didn't tell me? And Oh, my gosh. It was really bad. Her, her testimony was pretty bad. Um, I don't want to diminish the fact that she was 1,000% a victim herself. Right, she was. Like, 1,000% a victim. And we talk about this all the time. At what point do you cross the line from becoming victim to perpetrator? I don't know when that line crosses, but eventually it does. And at some point she has crossed that line. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not saying she didn't deserve immunity for her testimony. I'm saying the testimony she gave didn't deserve immunity. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, usually people who were victims and they It's that whole thing that we have where, like, are they guilty too? Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. It's not of their own family. It's not of their kids. Right. You know, they would never do that to their own kids. It's other people, you know. Right. Blah, 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 blah. This is her whole family. Yeah. And, like, her protecting them was, hey, don't touch them. Like, don't have sex and don't marry them until they're 18. When... He wasn't going to touch her till she was 15, and he couldn't even wait till then. Well, and honestly, what does the age matter when it's your own child? Yeah. Incest with your own child is incest with your own child, whether they're four or 18. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it matters. I'm not you, but you get my point. Yeah. It's still wrong. It's It doesn't. Like, why, how are you okay with it? And also, like, they have no real say in that. I know that they were like, yeah, I'm cool with it. 
because they're powerless, which is why we have systems in place for people who who have no power or the power dynamics is shifted in a way that they have less power. We have systems in place to protect them, i.e. people who are in prison are protected from a sexual relationship with a corrections officer. Yeah. Because even if it's consensual, there's a power dynamic at play where can they really consent? Because there's a power dynamic in play. Yeah. Because they can't really. If they turn them down, can they really? Right. No, they can't. Right. Yeah. What? Sorry. What I really, what I really meant is that, okay, so these people at nine, you know, when he had this whole talk with them, mm-hmm. like, God, also me, God, said that y'all were mine and, like, y'all were supposed to be with me. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. Sure, we'll do that. But then she's like, you have to wait till they're 18 to do anything and marry them. That's fucking nine years. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, they agreed at nine, but at 18, like, shit changes. Right. And, I mean, does a nine-year-old really understand no. what they're consenting to? Especially when they have no education other than Dudio's version of the, his Bible. I would not, I don't need to see that family tree because that would sadden me. Oh, it's it's a Venn diagram. It's a fucking Venn diagram. It ain't a tree. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, hate him. Hate everything. Because yeah. it's like, this case is so hard because you hate everyone. Obviously not the kids because it's not their fault. But you hate Elizabeth. But then again, you don't because, I mean, he's been grooming her since she's eight. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, these are your children. But then again, he's been grooming her since she's eight. But they're your children. You know, so it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I cannot reconcile that in my brain. And I cannot, again, I just wish it was more black and white of when you could say, okay, nope, they're no longer a victim. But it's not because she's always a victim slash survivor. But at what, again, at what point is she a perpetrator? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can say that with Marcus too, though. He was a victim of his upbringing. But not in the same way. Because not in the same way, but he was a victim. But I don't think so. He, yes. Was his shitty? Yes. Was he abused? Yes. Did he have like fanatical religious? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. But there was like a glimmer of not that in him. Like there was a story about... He found this dog on the side of the road that had, like, been run over by a car or something. And, I mean, the dog was, like, dead. And he was like, no, I hear a heartbeat. And so he got the dog and took the dog back home and literally, like, nursed this dog back to life. You know? And he wasn't, like, a little kid. You know, this was him a little older. You know, teens. He thought he was God. True. Touche. He also breeded two neighborhood dogs together because he wanted to see what their offspring would look like. He thought he was God. Yeah. Touche. That was a very good point, my dear Watson. (laughs) (laughs) It was very sweet of him, but um, yeah. Good point. Good point. Okay. Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) He's not a serial killer. 
No, I know. You're right. I'm not saying he would hurt animals. I just mean it appeared that he had more compassion in him. But I hear what you're saying, and checkmate. (laughs) You win. (laughs) No one wins in this story. Queen's Gambit. You never even watched that. I know, but it sounded good. Was it good? It was fantastic. No, I mean my reference. Sure. (laughs) The show was fantastic. (laughs) Well, hopefully, so is your story. Oh, after that one, we need my story, and it doesn't really have an ending. God damn it, Donna. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I lied. There is an ending, and that's where we're going to start. However, there's a lot of unanswered questions. So that's why I'm covering it. And that's why I said, like, it's open-ended, because there's a lot of unanswered questions. Okay, so you redeemed yourself a little. Mm, we'll see. So picture it. Knoxville, Tennessee, July 11th, 1996. Okay, I'm putting on my orange. We're heading up there. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Just kidding. Orange is not in my color wheel. <laughs> it really is, though. I'm just kidding. That's what she says on the blonde side. I know, but it is. Okay. It's 7 a.m. Two construction workers were walking up to their job site when they spotted someone in the parking lot, a person laying on the ground. At first, they thought he was one of the homeless guys who had been using their job site as shelter for a bit. But when they got closer, they noticed all the strangeness of it and that he was definitely not homeless. The body was half nude, naked from the waist down. His pants and shoes had been removed, and his pants turned inside out, same with his socks. His shirt ripped open, and one shoe placed under his head like a pillow. Something very strange was that he had multiple currencies, which totaled nearly $4,000, scattered around and on his body. It was a mix of Canadian, American, and German currency. What? Yeah. There was also a fanny pack at the crime scene next to his body, and it was filled with jewelry, gold bars, gold and platinum coins, and other trinkets. There was also a rental key to a car and a black duffel bag that was found close to the body. The cause of death was a violent blow to the stomach, which ruptured his stomach, and he died of septic shock. What? Yeah. Literally never heard of that. I mean, I've heard of septic shock, but I'm saying like, I've literally never heard of someone getting hit so hard Mm -hmm. that it ruptures their stomach. Right? Like, okay, spleen, kidney, liver, something. His stomach. They're... Their literal stomach. Yeah. What? Talk about a gut buster. (laughs) His forehead had a gash on it, and they believe it was from a club or a crowbar. Ouch. Yeah. And there were some injuries that indicated the person had been sexually assaulted as well. Oh, my God. You could tell that the person had put up a fight. It was evident from the defensive wounds on his hands and hair had been ripped from his head. Oh. In an interview, David Davenport, who is a former Tennessee Bureau of Investigation agent, 
He said that one of the person's hands had a really deep cut and it was blackened like it had been forcefully knocked to the pavement. So he went on to elaborate like when you get in a motorcycle accident and like... Mm, Like road rash. Yeah, exactly. The only evidence that investigators were able to collect was a long strand of hair that the person had clutched in his hand, which they believed to belong to his attacker, murderer since it did not match his own. Who was the murder victim? His name was Blair Adams. He was 31 years old and lived in Surrey, British Columbia, where he worked as a foreman at a local construction company. As they always say, he was well-liked by everyone, always friendly and outgoing. I bet he lit up a room when he walked in. (laughs) He probably did. And as most things follow up, but something changed. Blair was two years sober, but all of a sudden, he stopped attending his AA meetings. He also began leaving the job site unlocked, which had never been an issue before. He had always made work a priority, but now he was just preoccupied all the time. Blair's family noticed that his personality seemed to change. His optimism and cheerfulness morphed into anxiety and mood swings. Blair seemed to be on edge All the time. And when confronted about his behavior by his mom, he told her that he should not tell her about it. And that's it. But he did confide in some others that he believed someone was trying to kill him. We're going to start six days before his death. So we're going back to July 5th, 1996. On this day, Blair went to his bank and completely drained both his checking and savings. Then he cleaned out a safe deposit box where he had thousands of dollars in jewelry, coins, and gold bars. Who the fuck? Who has has all this shit? Right? I don't know. Y'all, we are not living right. (laughs) He is 30. He is. Well, he was younger than us. And how he got all that shit? You know what I got? Debt. Same. 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 Also, the only gold coins I've ever seen in my life were gold-wrapped chocolate. I was going to say, on an infomercial? <laughs> True. That that also. But those pirate medallion things that don't taste good. You probably like I love them. them. <laughs> I was going to say, you probably love them. <laughs> yes. But it's too cheap of chocolate for me. I, I don't like it. I love cheap chocolate. You really do. I do. You really do. Guess where he stored all of these treasures? Under his mattress. No. Freezer. No. Coffee can. In his fanny pack. That ain't good. (laughs) Did you ever have a fanny pack? Well, yeah. I didn't. I think I might have had one, but it never fit. Let's just be honest. It never fit. Here's the problem. Your girl has a muffin top that could put... Little Miss Muffet could sit on top. (laughs) So, my fanny pack damn near disappears. <laughs> it's a hidden compartment. <laughs> it's like a fucking, you might as well, look, I could put a kangaroo in there. <laughs> it's a bad, it's bad, it's bad. I shouldn't use, I don't know. Uh-uh. So, there's that. I should use backpacks, not fanny packs. <laughs> That's my widest part. Be like, right? Uh, can I, extra extending, please? Like, can I just get some, you know. Can I get, uh. You know what? I would need a 
I would need a front and a back fanny pack so that they would fit. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, that's so clever. Now you have two. Yeah, no, now they fit. Yeah, now they fit. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not one of those girls that can like, let me tie my jacket around my waist. No. No. I can't do that. I can't wear a fanny pack. I can't do, no. Mm-mm. I can't tuck in a shirt. Not on you, on me, I'm saying. Whew. Tucking in a shirt is a no-go on me. Brings back middle school days, and oh, let's forget those. Let's forget those. Yep, let's uh put that in the subconscious right next to the pleated shorts. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on. July 7th, Blair drove his Chevette, which my mom totally had one, and he tried to board a ferry from Victoria to Seattle. Well, since he was traveling alone and had lots of cash on him, U.S. immigration flagged him as a drug mule. Oh, shit. They questioned him, and they called him in a lot about not having a criminal record because he had been convicted on some drug and assault charges. So they denied him access to the ferry and denied him entry into the U.S. So after he was denied entry, Blair decided to visit some friends and his mom. And to each of his friends, he seemed erratic and spoke of not wanting to stay in his apartment because he was afraid of someone wanting to kill him. And he just kept explaining how badly he needed to cross the border. However, the next day, July 8th, Blair went to work like everything was normal. But instead of working, he quit without explanation and didn't even wait around for his paycheck. Just was like, Audi. Later that afternoon, Blair went to the airport and spent $1,600 on a round trip to Frankfurt, Germany which was set to leave the following day. And it might sound completely off the wall, like most of the story will, but in 1995, the year before, Blair worked over in Frankfurt on a construction project. Then in November of that year, while he was over there, he met a woman at a party and they began a relationship. When the German girlfriend, whose name we don't know, was later interviewed, she described Blair as being a gentleman, romantic, and kind. But his co-workers in Germany described him as confrontational and recalled him getting into a few fights. Also, the German girlfriend told investigators that Blair had told her he was scared of some former co-workers who had recently returned from Germany. He thought them to be violent. So we're still on that same day he got the ticket to Germany. Blair went to a friend's house and told her he needed help to get across the border. He needed to get to the States because someone was trying to kill him. However, she wasn't able to help, so Blair left. He then went and requested a refund the same day for that Germany trip. His excuse was that the person he was going to visit had gotten sick. But the only person we can assume he was going to visit was his German girlfriend, but she wasn't expecting him, so that was a complete lie. I was thinking maybe if he needed to get to the States so badly, maybe there was a layover in the States, and that's why he did that. Maybe. And that it wouldn't draw as much attention, him going there, because he had been before. Yeah. Well, we are moving to July 9th, just before dawn, and Blair was walking close to the border, this time trying to cross on foot. However, authorities noted he had small scratches on his hands and his legs, and he matched 
the description of a man who was suspected of stealing a car. And another nail in this border crossing coffin was that the blue car that was stolen in Vancouver had just been found near the point where he tried to cross. Police noted that he seemed a bit dazed, but was steadfast in his innocence, and they didn't have any evidence tying him to the crime, so they released him back to Canada. And just a little FYI, a friend later told authorities that she saw Blair driving a blue car, not his usual Chevette, the day before. (gasps) So yeah, it really could have been him who stole that car. Allegedly. I don't know. But back to Blair, he was very persistent and not ready to give up, so he drove his Chevette to the Vancouver International Airport, and from there, he rented a Nissan Altima. Now, he tried for the third time to cross the border, and this time, he was successful and made it to Seattle. He then abandoned the rented Altima at the Seattle airport. He purchased an overnight one-way ticket to Washington, D.C., And something that makes investigators scratch their head is that he paid nearly $800 when he could have bought a round-trip ticket for half the price. So it just kind of shows his state of mind and, like, his lack of critical thinking skills right there. He arrived in D.C. early Wednesday, July 10th, and he rented a Toyota Camry at about 6.45 a.m. and then started to drive seemingly with no clear destination in mind. Then in Troy, Virginia, Blair backed his car into another person's vehicle and it caused a little bit of damage. The man later told detectives that Blair seemed nice but was in a hurry, you know, just seemed kind of scatterbrained, but nice. And then after a seven-hour drive, he arrived in Knoxville, Tennessee. Around 5.30 p.m., Blair was at a gas station on Strawberry Plains Pike, and the clerk watched Blair search for something, and he saw that he appeared agitated. So when the clerk asked if he could help, Blair told him that his key wasn't working. Then the clerk called a repair service driver named Gerald Sapp. Well, Gerald talked to Blair, and he was able to look at the key, that Blair had, and he saw that it was for a Nissan, and his car was a Toyota. So Gerald asked Blair to look into his pockets, but Blair refused and seemed to be in a hurry and very skittish. And Gerald tried to reason with Blair, like, hey, if you drove here, you have to have the correct key. So it has to be in your pocket. Like, it has to be somewhere on you. But again, Blair refused and claimed he had looked, and the only key he had was in his hand, and that was the right key. That's the only key he's ever had. So Gerald was like, this man's a wackadoo. So he called a tow truck to take the Camry to an auto shop. He told Blair that they would open the next day. He could, you know, get the tow truck to drop him off at a nearby hotel, get a night's sleep, straighten the mess out with the keys tomorrow, with the rental company, all the things. Later in an interview, Gerald said that Blair didn't appear to be all there, but he didn't appear to be messed up on drugs or alcohol, just like his mind wasn't functioning correctly at that moment. So that missing Toyota key, it's the key that was found near Blair's body at the crime scene. Mm. 
Blair was dropped off at the Fairfield Inn, which was located across I-40 from the site where his body would be discovered 12 hours later. Once in the lobby, Blair was still up to his weird antics. The hotel surveillance showed him entering and exiting the lobby five times within 40 minutes. Good Lord. Yeah, and he would just kind of lurk in the lobby when he was inside. Finally, he approached the front desk where he purchased a room from Tika, the receptionist, and she recalls watching his behavior in the lobby, and she said he seemed paranoid, nervous, and agitated. She said that the feeling she got from him was that he was expecting someone to come in on him, even though there wasn't anyone there. Finally, he purchased a room with a $100 bill, and when Tika was getting his change, he just left. Didn't even wait for his change. Tika tried calling his room several times that night, but he never picked up. He never even went to his room. What authorities believe is that Blair walked somewhere since he was now without a car and got something to eat. When he was found later, he still had lettuce, meat, and shrimp in his stomach. I mean, all those things are yummy to eat, but... (laughs) That would literally be one of the worst parts about being a uh, medical examiner is the stomach. Yeah. Contents. Yeah. And the bugs. Oof. Oof. There were a few eyewitness accounts of Blair that night. Three employees at a TNR truck stop claimed that they saw him between 9.30 and 10.30. They say that he was flipping through some tattoo magazines and talking to an unidentified man about Canadian money. Another sighting was from two women at Cracker Barrel on Strawberry Plains Pike. They said that they saw Blair with another man, but they couldn't agree on what he looks like. And there's a sketch I want you to look at, and just tell me if he looks like an actor to you, because I don't know if I'm making this up or not, because that could be the worst eyewitness ever, but he looks like an actor to me. Well, he looks like... Don't tell me who. No, no, but he looks like kind of mm, like a really bad version of an actor, I guess. And don't ask me the name because I don't know the name of the actor, but. Uh, I don't know. It looks like that guy. I think his name is Jason Lee something or whatever, but he played in something about Earl or. Yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Okay, I was like, God, that looks like him. Yeah, uh, what did, I think he played on uh, Out in the Chipmunks, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Also, the only person who reported hearing anything out of the ordinary was a security guard at a nearby local business. He told detectives that he heard a very short scream around 3.30, but he believed it to be a woman's voice. But... That could be the long strand of hair in Brian's hand. It could Mm. have belonged to a woman. True. So we know Blair was found dead 12 hours later. But what could have happened to him? There's a few theories. Police first said, okay, this is a robbery gone wrong. However, he had all the money, all the jewels, all the everything. The fanny pack. Right. (laughs) Also, though, just really, who has, like, gold bars and shit besides, like, gold member? No, I feel like only, like, the wealthy of wealthy has, like, 
gold bars. Yeah. The rest of us are just pawning fucking gold chain necklaces to try to make a buck. The rest of us have pennies. Like, that's what we got. Like, and I that's got, copper. <laughs> we don't have gold, gold, gold bars, gold, like, no, I'm not like, what was his name? Uh, the duck that's like, whoosh, and all of his money. He had the, Scrooge? Is that it? But he had the the nephews. Are you talking about Donald Duck when he, on Mickey's Christmas? No. No. There is a duck, a Disney duck, and he had a lot of money, and he had nephews. Okay, I'm sorry. It is on DuckTales, and it is Scrooge. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But DuckTales is what I was thinking of. I would not have known that was on DuckTales, though. Like, I knew, I knew it wasn't Christmas. I was like, no, it's a show. I remember the show. Okay, I would not have known that was on DuckTales, Little known fact, Andrew Tate from Let's Not Meet loves DuckTales. So if you listen to that podcast, be like, hey, a paranormal chick say you love DuckTales. And by the way, you should have them back on your podcast. (laughs) I'm just saying. If you want to help your girls out, go ahead. Uh, Shameless plug. I mean, I'm shameless about everything. Dick, fucking call you Garth Brooks. (laughs) I mean, or Chris Gaines if I want to be edgy. Okay, can we get back to Blair? I'm sorry. If y'all don't know Garth Brooks as Chris Gaines, though, I mean, are you living? I don't know. The ultimate catfish. Midlife crisis is what I was going (laughs) to say. Yes, it really is. Like, you ain't catfishing no one. But he had some really good songs. Anyway, okay. So the second possibility was drugs. However, the toxicology report showed no drugs or alcohol in his system. Well, that's good because he had been sober for so long. Right. I bet that's such a relief to his family. Yeah. Yeah. Also, if it was a drug deal gone bad, again, like the robbery, they would have taken his money. Exactly. Like, no one's just going to be like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you, dude. Pow, pow, pow. Do all of this weird shit. Mm -hmm. And then literally leave Leave all the money. Just, like, put it up in the air, like, windfall, and be like, oh, the fanny pack's not my style. Let me just leave all the treasure right there. Right. Literally follow him from Canada, like, Oregon Trail style across the states. (laughs) Right. Not going to happen. Exactly. Well, finally, they said, okay, he may have been killed by a sex worker or their pimp. Again, I still feel like might a sex worker, maybe not. A pimp. Would have stolen the money. Yes. Well, there was a truck stop near the crime scene that was a known hotspot for sex work at that time. David Davenport believes they could have started engaging in the sex act in the vehicle. Then a struggle, you know, broke out and the killer might have hit Blair in the head, threw him out of the vehicle on the road, and then either hit him with a car when he was driving away, whatever. And so it could have been from like the front bumper was that fatal blow. But another detective is like, no, it's from a kick or that crowbar. Like it's not from the bumper. Well, I mean, I feel like for a vehicle to be tall enough to hit a grown man in the stomach, right, you know, just in the right spot to literally hit the actual stomach, like not just like, 
your belly. His actual anatomical stomach for that to explode, causing sepsis, it would have to be some sort of like SUV truck to be tall enough. However, that's not going to be sharp enough, you know, pointy enough to to really, ding, you know. Right. It would have to be like a more pokier edge of like a car bumper. Yeah. Which would not, which would like hit him in the fucking shins. Right. Not in his anatomical stomach. Yeah. And nonetheless, they couldn't find any evidence that he ever used a sex worker if that was in his, if that's something he would ever do. Right. So they ruled that out. My question is, if there was evidence that he may have been sexually assaulted, what was the evidence? They never go into specifics on that. So that would be my question that would lean yay or nay towards some sort of like sexual encounter gone wrong, whether it's a sex worker in the traditional sense of, okay, he really did go to this truck stop and pick up a sex worker, or was it like he just went to the bar and picked somebody up? I don't know. But I'm, yeah. But what was the evidence leading to them to believe that there was some sort of sexual assault? What they did have on like a diagram was that there were some tears in his anus. Okay. So did they say, and I mean, this is more of like a, just a question. I don't know if you know the answer, but more just like thinking out loud. Did they say, okay, that was consistent with an object with, you know, a Coke bottle or whatever, you know, and was there anything at the scene that it was consistent with? Was there anything that had evidence on it that that had been used? You know, so that would, those types of things would lead me more towards something of like a sex worker, somebody picked up at a bar, something like that. Some sort of sexual encounter that had gone wrong. Yeah. They did not say any of that because I don't think, I think the only evidence they really had was that hair strand. That's so frustrating. Yeah. Another thing would be, did Blair have a mental breakdown? He had never been diagnosed with a mental illness, but could it have been something that had an onset in his early 30s? And that made me think of Amanda Bynes. I don't remember what in her early 30s when Mm -hmm. it happened, but I was like, I mean, because that seemingly came out of nowhere with her schizophrenia. Not really, because schizophrenia is typically diagnosed in the early 20s. Yeah, that, well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, eh, I think she might have been younger. Some people said his actions seemed like he was paranoid schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. You know, so not really sure. But another thing was, was someone really out to kill him? Was it something dirty he did over in Germany? Did they track him down? And maybe... He wasn't so much sexually assaulted as anally searched. Like the killer was looking for something specific. And that's why they left all the money and the other stuff. Maybe. I could see more of some shit went down in Germany. And that was some form of like torture to get information or to get payback or whatever for what happened in Germany versus like looking for something. Mm. But apparently, I am just a greedy bitch because I don't care what it is. I would take some of the same, shit. Same. If you're, I mean, I mean, let's be, I mean, if you're already fucking killing somebody. 
Right. Take the goddamn gold bars. I mean, do they have serial numbers on them? I don't. I don't know anything about gold bars. <laughs> I've never seen one. Again, I've only seen a picture in his fanny pack. Infomercials. <laughs> Another theory is if Blair really was that paranoid, could he have thought some random bystander was going to kill him? And so Blair provoked that person. And someone on Reddit said that the pants thing could have been like a coincidence of a struggle or something that Blair did himself. Like if he was being held down while someone beat him and he was trying to like wiggle, you know, away, his pants might have moved down. Because mm-hmm. what they're saying is that it looked like when someone else takes your pants off of you and so it kind of turns inside out because they're like pulling them down. They're not, you're not shimmying out of them. They're like literally like pulling them off of you. Right. And so they're saying it could have just been from a struggle or whatever. And so it's not necessarily like a sexual assault, which is why his pants were off. And then what he just had took a really big poop. That's why he had the anal tearage. Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it could have been something on the concrete or something. I don't know. Also, I do want to say back up just a smidgen because I am wrong. It's actually mid to late 20s for the schizophrenia onset. So, I mean, really, it could be not early 20s. I meant, sorry, I said that wrong. So, I mean, I could be wrong. It really could have been because he, I mean, he clearly had some sort of if, if nobody really was out to kill him, see, that's the thing with delusions. Somebody could have really been out to kill him. Right. And or, you don't know if someone was out to kill him because... Now he's dead. He's dead. Right. So it's like, you're paranoid until you're dead. And then, and it's, then like, it's like, oh, shit. He might have been telling the truth. He might have not been paranoid for no reason. Or he was paranoid for no reason, and it created a domino effect of events that put him in a compromised position that led to his death. It could definitely have been that. Who knows? I don't know. But the last thing is that more recently, it wasn't like super recent, but Blair's mother was interviewed and she claimed that he traveled to America to attend the Olympics in Atlanta which took place eight days after his body was found. So it's in a timeline of, okay, could have been. However, like, it's like over 200 miles away from where he was. And mm-hmm. he was acting very strange. And why would he have done all of that to attend the Olympics? And did he backtrack? So like, okay, so he went from, my geography shit. So tell me if I'm wrong. Yours is shit too, so you're not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to tell you. So okay, maybe uh, Google, open the maps. Um, so he went from Canada to Seattle uh-huh. to DC mm-hmm. to Virginia to Tennessee to come allegedly back to Atlanta. Yeah. So he was making a cursive Z. Apparently. Okay. I thought, yeah, Atlanta is more this way. See, I'm terrible. I don't know. No, 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 no. Okay, so I don't know why he would have gone that way, but if he would have gone Washington, Virginia, Knoxville, as the crow flies straight south would be Atlanta. They're about three hours apart. But it makes, like, no sense. 
But he, like, like why? he quit his job. He did all of these weird things just to go to the Olympics where he had like no particular interest in the matter. There was such an urgency to cross mm-hmm. the border, like right then, right there. Yeah. Had to get across because someone's trying to murder him. Yeah. I mean. And she didn't say this at first. So it's like they thought of this as a reason later. Right. Also, she said that he did have a romantic relationship with one of his roommates who was male. And this is how she described their relationship. They acted a little strangely and giggled a lot, and it was kind of odd, but then he went back to a heterosexual relationship after that. I mean, he could have. He could be bisexual. Oh, for sure. But it's just like how she said it. Like, they acted strangely and giggled a lot. Like, <laughs> I don't know. So he was happy. happy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And oh, so, God. again, I don't know why she didn't tell anyone about this before, you know, but then after she gave them that information, she just hung up the phone and that was that. So some people think that she might have been fed that to be like, you tell investigators this to kind of cover someone else's tracks. So if it was, say, someone out to get him, they might have got to her, paid her off or threatened her mm-hmm. or something to be like, this is what you tell him now, like to yeah. end this. I don't know. But the one thing we do know is that Blair Adams was sure someone was trying to kill him. And only a few days later, he was found brutally murdered. And his case is still unsolved. So if you have any information, you can call the Knox County Sheriff's Office, their cold case unit at 865-215-2675 or email coldcase at knoxsheriff.org. And that's K-N-O-X, sheriff.org. This is Lisa Lamb all over. I know. And it's like, I, the money thing, just, what? And all I can picture is, like, the German and Canadian money, and then, obviously, American's green, but, like, I, I don't know why, because I'm not cultured, y'all. But I'm just picturing, like, what I see in, like, the Born Identity and shit, mm-hmm. where, like, it's different colored paper. And yes. so, like, Monopoly money, but not Monopoly money, but, like... Like, blue and red. And, yeah, yeah, like, all of that. So, like, all of these different color money around, and I'll be like, that looks amazing. That's rich. You know, I'd be like, that's at least a million dollars, because I don't fucking know how to count. You know what I mean? And so I'd be like, carry student loans. Trying to fucking get that money. And then I'd be like, fanny pack, these treasures. I'd be like Tiffany when she found that medallion on the floor. Here's my question, though. What if truly something from Germany did catch up with him and it was like big money something? Because only people who have a fuck ton of money don't give a shit about that kind of money. Right. They're more about like the torture, kill, Get out of there. Like a hit. It's a fucking yeah. hit. It's like, just, like, it's a hit. It's a it's a business transaction. It's a hit. It's, I mean, otherwise, even if it's like this crime of passion, you'd still be like, let me get that 50. Yeah. I mean, at least cover my fucking gas. Right? I'd be looking through the penny pack. Where's that ring I gave him for our blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So the the money thing is what I can't, like, reconcile. And also, we know he didn't... Die by suicide. This was not, 
it's impossible. I mean, yes. well, I guess nothing's impossible, but how you fucking hit yourself so hard? St- no way. Right. With all of the defensive wounds and all, you know, all of the, everything else, all the evidence is murder. I wonder if there was anything in the hair that could be compared to DNA even later. Like, let's just say they didn't have, they'd run it through CODIS or whatever, and there wasn't a profile now. But I wonder if there was something that they could eventually compare it to. I really hope so. Oh, my gosh. Because I don't know. Because the money thing, uh And so, yes, it does. It's like a hit. And maybe, then it, then it made me think that what if... They really were kind of like gaslighting him in the way of maybe he went to pump his gas or something, okay? And they switched the key out on mm-hmm. him. You know what I mean? And so he's like, what the fuck? Like, I am going crazy. Yeah. Like, this key, I, you know what I mean? And he's like, there's no other key on me. Like, I've searched. This is the one key. And they had switched it out on him. Yeah. And that made him stay there. So now they know exactly where he's going to be. He doesn't mm-hmm. have a car. Right. You know, and so now it's easier. Well, they thought he was going to stay in the hotel, but then he walks around, whatever, you know. But, like, it, that could happen, too. But I feel like if they're going to go through that much trouble, they could have just, pew, and he's gone, you know. Yeah. And, but but if they wanted to been, torture him. Yeah. That could have been part of it, to make him go... You know, him questioned his sanity. I don't know. And, like, the whole going to Germany thing, maybe he was trying to throw people off or make them think he was coming back to do a meetup or something else. And then he was like, no, that's a setup. I can't do that. And then he was running. You know, I don't don't know. Or maybe he was, like, booked it just so they would think that's where he was. And then... That's why he was trying to get across the American border in the ways that he was. So, well, sneakily, is that a word? But, you know, <laughs> yeah. so like. Tiptoeing yeah. through the stuff. Yeah. I don't fucking know, but your story is so fucking frustrating. You talking about my story being frustrating. At least mine has an end. Has a conclusion. I don't fucking know what yours. I know. I'm back to my, God damn it, Donna. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm like, what happened to Blair Adams? And it's so long ago. It's not like you can just like, oh, let's look at his search history. Yeah. You know, whatever. Exactly. Also, there is this little tidbit, too, that I just like put together in my head that, okay, when he was over in Germany, he worked for his stepdad's construction company. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's still the same company he worked for back in Canada or what, but he worked over there doing like an assisted living kind of thing. However, what if his mom has switched, like switched her story because the people were in cahoots with his stepdad. He like found out something, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so it was like, now she's trying to protect the stepdad. Yeah. Maybe. And you know, they say a lot of money can be made in like assisted living. Oh, hell yes. Stuff like with the construction and Uh, all of that. I watch the Ozarks. That's the best way to launder money. (laughs) So I don't know. Sorry, that just like popped in my head, like that little detail that, wait. So I don't know. Obviously, we're clueless. And obviously, we hate Marcus. Oh, my God, yes. So we want to know what y'all think. I think they all probably hate him, too. Oh, we know. Oh, come on. Come on. 
Did you know he was going to be a cult leader, though? Because we we both call, we called that. Oh, I mean, I mean, I just like serve that up to you on a silver platter. You did. I mean, you could have guessed that if you had never even heard of true crime. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let us know what you think about the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, all the places. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.